book, Get Paid for Your Pad. Well, today I've got the author of the book, one of the best-selling books about Airbnb on the Boostly podcast. We've got Jasper Ribbers, who is all the way speaking to me from Barcelona in Spain. He's originally from Amsterdam. He was originally in the day trade, realized after doing it for six years that he didn't want to do it anymore. And he started to rent out his property put it on Airbnb before Airbnb got massive and popular and started to travel around the world. He started up a travel blog called The Traveling Dutchman. Uh, that's where he got the inspiration for writing his book. And then from there, he grew his portfolio business. He met his business partner online and now they've got a very successful group coaching program and mastermind business. And, you know, I really wanted to get him on the show just to sort of pick his brains. This is uh, an interview that I wanted to do for a while. Jasper has been a massive influence on me with his podcast. I really want you just to all check him out and go check out getpaidforyourpad.com and just sort of get into his world because he's a, he's, a, he's a very clever guy. Please do go check out Hostfully. Hostfully are the sponsors of this podcast. Uh, go to hostfully.com. Everybody can get one free digital guidebook that you can wow your future guests with. And when you are ready, if you want to upgrade, put Boostly2M in the promo code and you get two months for free. In the meantime, what I would love for you to do in the comments right now before we, we get started with this interview is tell us what you're going to be doing right now to be proactive in getting guests. What are the new marketing tactics that you're going to do, whether it's email, Google, social media, any of those, let us know in the comments and then sit back, relax and enjoy this conversation with Jasper Rivers from Get Paid for Your Pack. My, uh, my name is Jasper Rivers. started on the, in 2012, Airbnb hosting back in Amsterdam. And uh, back in the day, uh, there was not a lot of information about Airbnb. So I kind of had to figure everything out by myself. And so I came up with the idea of uh, writing a book about it, Get Paid for Your Pad. That turned into a podcast. Yeah, I launched that 2014. So we're six years in now with the podcast, 330 episodes deep i'm still uh, i'm still excited uh, to to be the host of the podcast but also to be on uh, other people's podcasts uh, such as yours so thank you for uh, the invite so let's get uh, let's just sort of delve back a little bit how um, so before airbnb and for all those things I've, I've i was listening to a podcast in in the, in the research for this with an interview that you did and you were talking about life before short stay accommodation so how do you go from working with numbers and stocks to then going into to short stay accommodation what, what's the sort of connection how did you sort of end up going down that route? It was out of necessity. Uh, I mean, I, I worked for six years in finance. Uh, I was trading first in Amsterdam and then Chicago in the US. Went through the financial crisis, which actually was uh, turned out to be quite good for our company um, because we were day traders. So the volatility did as, did as well. But after that, you know, I just, I just realized I didn't want to sit in an office the rest of my life and just looking at these flat screens. I had eight flat screens, like they're big, you know what I mean? And every single flat screen was full of numbers. So all I did all day was just looking at all these numbers and I am a nerd, so I do like numbers, but for, after six years, I was just like, you know, I, I need to do something different uh, with my life. I wanna travel, I wanna see the world, I wanna just see what the world is like and, and get to know different cultures and be in different countries, different continents and everything. So I decided uh, one day to tell my boss that uh, I was going to quit. That also meant that I wasn't getting paid anymore, which I did have some savings. But my biggest asset was my apartment in Amsterdam, right? Which at the time I was running it out long term. Um, but I didn't like that because I wanted to be able to stay in my own place when I was back in Amsterdam. Plus, it's it's really when you have a long term renter and I had several, it's you're kind of you kind of lose control over your property in a way, uh, at least in Holland, um, because 
it's very hard to get people out if you ever want control back over your home. Yeah, I uh, I bumped into Airbnb. I think it was back in 2011. I stayed at an Airbnb as a guest. And I thought, hey, what if I put my place on Airbnb? You know, at the time, nobody knew about this. Only my, I was kind of like in the travel, travel blogging scene at the time. Yeah. I was writing about my travels. And so, you know, I knew a few of my blogger friends that knew about Airbnb, but that was about it. I had no idea what what would come out of it, but I thought, you know, I just put my apartment on Airbnb and uh, and see what happens. And, you know, if it wasn't for Airbnb, I might have uh, had to go back to a trading job or something. But with Airbnb, it's, I just started uh, started just cashing in. The traveling Dutchman, explain to us a little, a little bit more about that. That was also born out of kind of out of necessity as well. What happened was, you know, when I started traveling back in 2010, we didn't have uh, WhatsApp and you couldn't call each other for free and stuff like that. Technology wasn't as advanced. And so people were still communicating over email a lot with you know, with like uh, as a way to keep in touch. And I was just getting tired of uh, having to ride back to everybody. So one day I, I was like, you know what? I just start a blog and then every week I'll write a story, put some pictures in there and then I tell everybody, you guys just go to my blog, read my story because I, you know, I'm going to go surfing. I'm going to go lie on the beach. I'm going to drink caipirinhas, but I don't want to spend two hours a day writing emails. Would you say that you've always been strong when it comes to social media? Is this something that you've learned from the days when you were blogging and writing about your travels and adventures and, and, and sort of those sort of skills that you've learned then, have they helped with everything that you do now as far as your Airbnb? And so basically what, what I'm getting at is, the, the skills obviously you picked up from you know starting to write and keep everybody informed instead of writing two hours of emails you put into that you've got an, you know you've got the the rental thing going on and, and everything else are those sort of skills that you've learned that, that have helped you today it did not come naturally to me okay. not at all my brain works really well for solving mathematical problems analyzing things you know i studied econometrics which is a combination of economics statistics and, and mathematics that kind of stuff makes sense to me but not what does not make sense to me is and i'm learning a lot from what just watching you not just makes sense to me is that you know if you if you want a lot of likes on your video or something like you know you tell people hey like the video that like i my brain doesn't get that my brain thinks like no people want to like the video, they'll do it. You know what I mean? If they don't like it, they won't like it. But you know what I'm saying? So it's, it's a diff, it's a totally like writing and social media, that stuff definitely did not come uh, naturally to me at all. When did that sort of take up a, a notch? So when did you go from just the one property sort of on Airbnb? When, when did you decide that, right, I'm going to go all, all in on this? And what was the sort of the, the decision behind it? The, what I really went all in with was not so much the property side, right? Like, so I had my one apartment in Amsterdam and eventually I, you know, now I have three properties and I manage a, a small boutique hotel and I help some other people, man, you know, manage their listings and stuff. But I never had the ambition to grow like a big portfolio of management properties or anything like that. Uh, what I was, I was passionate about the hosting, um, you know, about the, the connection with the people. Um, I love to travel. I love different cultures. So I always, I'm always interested in meeting people from different countries. But um, what I, uh, what I became really passionate about was the education, right? So, you know, after I wrote the book and started a podcast and stuff, I, I started realizing that 
I was able to really help people and empower them to to make big changes in their lives. And uh, you've mentioned the book a few times. What is the book called, and and why did you want to to write a book? You know, writing a book is a mammoth task. Like, what was the thinking behind it? What is it called, and, and where can people get it? When I when I started writing my travel travel blog, well, let me tell you the, the book first. So the book is called Get Paid for Your Pad, right? And it's on Amazon. You know, I originally wrote a travel book. After I started writing on my on my travel blog, I thought it'd be really useful information for people to know how how to travel the world, which was what I was doing. And so I wrote a book. I hired a cartoonist. I hired an editor. I spent uh, quite a bit of money on it actually, and I was I, have, I had high expectations. I was quite a, kind of naive, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it was called uh, 10 Small Steps, One Giant Leap," and it was um, it was ten chapters on. They were all travel tips, you know, like basically meant for people that wanted to do the same thing that I was doing, travel the world. The day I wanted to upload it to Amazon, Amazon actually, they, they actually like a couple of days later, they got back to me and they said that uh, I couldn't sell it on Amazon because it was too generic. And I spent six months and probably, I probably spent like $3,000 or something on that book, you know. Um, other than my time, which at the time I had some savings for my for my finance career, so you know it was I, I was I was fairly comfortable with with my savings, but but still that was a massive blow. And up to until this day, it's still in Smashwords. I don't know if you heard of Smashwords. No, no. I just put it up there for free. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, you know what it did, what it taught me was that I enjoyed writing. You know, when I started with Airbnb, like I said, there was not a lot of information. Right now. I mean, there's there's so much information, right? I was uh, I was eager for revenge on Amazon for not accepting my book, so it's like uh, you know I learned a a really good lesson, and so I'm still thankful for uh, actually them refusing my book because it taught me that if you want to write something or if you want to sell something, it always have to it has to be a niche product or or you have to have a reputation, right? You have to have a following. So we're around about 2000, 2015 in, in, in your life. And when did you meet Eric? So Eric was on the podcast a couple of episodes back. When, when did you first meet him? And then when did you first start you two working together? And obviously you've got the Facebook group, which is the Airbnb Profit Club, which is a Facebook group that everybody can go join. So where, where did you uh, first meet and when did you start working together? So we actually started working together before we met. Uh, so Eric used to do a summit, which was called the Airbnb Mastery Summit. And uh, we might do one this year, actually, but we'll just drop the word Airbnb. Uh, I spoke on this summit and we started talking. And, uh, you know, I just recognized that, that him and I had very complementary skills. He's very good at, at thinking high level. He's very good at uh, being organized and finding a structure or a system around things where I'm I'm kind of the opposite. I just want to do stuff and create stuff. Yeah. I don't really want to think about a system on how to do it. But yeah, I, we just both kind of realized uh, we had uh, complementary skills, but also, but the one that one thing that we had in common, I think was our, our mindset. We're both very in the, into the same stuff, like Tony Robbins, you know, self-improvement, growing as a person, expanding your mindset, improving your mindset. So we're both like really like growth oriented. So obviously, like you say, you've been doing this for a while. The podcast has been around for a long time. You've had the book out since 2014. And and you've seen people that you've helped and coached go from one property to all these 50 properties. And there'll be people watching whether it's live or people tuning in on the replay. And they might be like right at the very start. 
And what I would love to hear from you, and I think this is a real good advice to pass to everybody, is when you see people getting started in short-term renting, short-term accommodation, what is the one main mistake that you have seen new hosts make when they get started? They, I think they, they don't realize what it entails. What, what a lot of people do is they just create a listing. They put some pictures up, you know, they take them with their smartphone, put some pictures up, you know, a couple paragraphs of, of a description, and then they sit back. And then they are like, why am I not getting bookings? <laughs> what would be one of the first sort of comeback questions that, that you would normally give back to your students, the people that are uh, a part of your program? You know, look at the look at the customer journey on Airbnb or whatever platform you're on. You got to understand the customer journey. I always say, if you haven't been an Airbnb guest yet, if you haven't stayed at an Airbnb, that's the first thing you got to do because you got to understand your your customer, right? And the best way to understand your customer is to to be the customer. You know, you you gotta you gotta understand like why, what do people look at when they look at a listing, right? So start with yourself. What do you look at when you look at a listing, right? Uh, you've obviously been down in Colombia. You were in San Diego. You're now back in Spain, where where you live. So you've been doing a lot of traveling when when a lot of the world has been on lockdown. Can you just sort of describe? <laughs> that journey from San Diego to to Holland and, and then to Spain, because, uh, you know, I was following on Instagram. It looked pretty crazy. It looked like from a movie set. Can you just sort of describe to everybody what international travel is like in the midst of a... I mean, my year has been crazy in terms of traveling because I celebrated New Year in the French Alps skiing with my family. Then I flew to Barcelona. Then uh, one of my buddies, uh, his uh, mom died, unfortunately. And I uh, I ended up going to Dallas to support him. So I was in Dallas. And then I had my Legends event in Cartagena in Colombia. So then I went to Colombia. I stayed at my own place. I have an apartment in Colombia. I stayed there for about a week. And then, uh, yeah, I came to San Diego to uh, to work with Eric on our on our courses and our, our, our groups. And everything seemed uh, perfect. But yeah, everything fell apart. I uh, I stayed in San Diego until early April. My The immigration officer, he didn't renew my stamp when I flew into San Diego, which meant that when I first entered the U.S., going to Dallas to see my friend, that was beginning of January. So that meant, you know, you get three months, right? As a non-American, you get three months. But because, I don't know, I don't know exactly why, but the immigration officer, when I when I came to San Diego, he just looked at my passport. He said, oh, you already got a stamp from January. You know, you don't need a new stamp. So I was like, well, that means I'm not going to be able to stay for very long then. So I had to leave because, uh, you know, you don't want to overstay in the U.S. They really they give you a lot of trouble. So I had to get away. My flight was canceled, um, but I contacted KLM and they had a that's the airline that I flew with. They had a, another flight for me. So I had the weirdest journey in my life. I took a train from San Diego to Los Angeles well, wearing one of those one of those mouthpieces. You call them uh, face, face masks. Um, hardly anybody on the train, no one on the street. Los Angeles took a taxi to uh, to a hotel, the Hyatt Airport Hotel. No one, no traffic, no traffic in LA. I've never seen that before. The hotel was completely empty. I was surprised I could still still get a room there. Literally, when you're half a mile away, mm-hmm. it could still take an hour because it's so jammed up usually. Like TSA, security check, nobody there. Um, and then at the gate, there's hardly anybody. They're handing out uh, face masks. Um, I had to wear a face mask on the plane the entire time, which was became really annoying after a couple hours. Yeah, yeah. 
plane was almost empty. I mean, um, actually, I mean, to be honest with you, it was a quite a relaxing flight, you know, because I had the whole, the okay. whole, uh, the whole aisle to myself, you know, the what you call it, the the free seats to myself. Yeah. But yeah, we had a very uh, strange experience. And then um, you got into Holland there, and now down back in back back in Spain. So Barcelona, yeah. So the the the, the reason why I'm asking is that. You know, we're recording this on the 29th of April, and you'd like to think over the course of the coming weeks, you know, that countries like Spain and France and Holland and where England, you know, wherever you are watching this in the world, they will start to relax their current lockdown policies. And from from your experiences, from just you know witnessing what a flight was like, say in February or January to to what March was like, you know, how do you envision? international travel how do you think that will that will come back and when do you think that will come back in in, in you know on, on the back of this coronavirus it's an that's a really interesting question i i see two opinions on this there's one camp that says there's going to be a lot of pent-up demand and people are going to want to travel as soon as it's possible to travel again people are going to jump on those planes and they're going to go on all those trips that they couldn't go on and then there's another another camp that says people aren't going to do that because people are still, even though the, the restrictions are going to ease, people are going to still be worried about the about the virus and about, you know, about just being in crowded spaces and stuff like that. My guess is probably number two. I think people, I think this whole crisis has, has a, it's going to have a long, a long term impact on the human psyche. I think people are going to avoid crowded spaces for a while. I don't expect uh, that as soon as you are allowed to travel, that everyone's just instantly going to jump on a plane. I think it's going to take a while. So it's going to be the host yeah. to watch. And we're really now, to, to, before we before we wrap up and we're going to the quick fire questions, the host that I want to talk to for this last segment of those hosts around the world that rely on people flying in to their country or to their city or to their, to, to their town. So... Say that there's a host, and it's like a scenario-based question, I guess. There's a host who relies on, you know, 70% of their guests are international, people flying in. What advice would you give to that person on what they should be looking to do to sort of fill their rental or fill their guest out or fill their, their hotel? What, what should they be looking to do? Should they be looking to pivot or should they be looking at doing other little things? I think right now you have to be very opportunistic. I mean, I am in 100% in that category that you described. Um, I've got, I own three places, one in Colombia, one in Thailand, one in the Philippines. And I run a, a small boutique hotel in the, on the Red Sea in Egypt. So two out of four are closed down because they're not allowed to be open. Place in Colombia, Colombia, the country is shut down. I mainly cater to Americans there. And then, you know, Thailand, is obviously also a touristic, uh, a very touristic country. So what I personally do is, you know, I, I look at the all opportunities that are out there. Like right now, you got to be open to any way that you can monetize your space. You got you to gotta jump on it. You're no longer catering to international vacationers, right? You have to cater to anybody who is looking, anybody who's looking for a space to use, whether that's for a staycation, like you mentioned, a, quarantine themselves we can't just be lazy anymore we can't just put our property on one platform and just think right they're going to bring me all the bookings you're going to have to do things that you're not not used to you're going to have to you know go onto facebook you're going to have to 
utilize other marketing channels, you know, and if you want to, you know, get started straight away, there's a, there's a free guide on Boostly. Everybody knows where it is. It's booster.co.uk. Put in your email and you get that guide that shows you what you need to be doing. But you, you need to be doing things that, that you're not used to before. And I think the, the, the people that are in my world that I can see in the comments in this live video, the Georginas of the world, because she's right down there, she's pivoted and, and, there's, and, there's, and has brought in income in a way that she never thought before with takeaways and offering her breakfast and afternoon teas and pancakes out uh, in, in a takeaway style where she's based is fantastic. Doing things that you never thought that you needed to be doing. And the more people like Georgina, then there's going to be more people that are going to not only just survive this time, but thrive on the rear end. Buddy, I appreciate you doing that. Uh, but before we're going to let you go, we have got some quick fire questions. First question, you could be on lockdown or in isolation with any celebrity or popular famous figure. Who, who would that be? I mean, I was going to, I was going to say, uh, Steve jobs. Yeah. No. I'm just so fascinated by him. And I, you know, I've listened to all of his speeches. Um, there's one that's really, really good. 2008 Stanford. For anybody who's watching or listening, just go on YouTube yeah. and look for Steve Jobs 2008 or 9 uh, Stanford commencement speech. Okay, and so if there's been that one movie or that TV series that's been on your to watch list on Netflix or Sky or wherever, you just downloaded it on your computer and you've just been waiting to watch it, and obviously during lockdown you've had that chance to watch it, is there any recommendations for anybody of, of something to watch, maybe on Netflix, TV series, or movie, something that they sh should be watching? You know, for me, I like to watch series when all all the the seasons are out so i've been i've been holding up on game of thrones for years yeah uh, but I, I started watching it uh, a while back but i got stuck in season like three or four or something uh where i don't know for some reason it didn't it didn't uh it didn't engage me enough one of my favorite series right now is uh is casa de papel which i think in english they 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 brought it out as a money heist dude i i'm a i'm a tiger king uh fan dude i watched it in san diego like one after the other six or six weeks ago or something or eight weeks yeah. ago i yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't know it was uh, going to be so popular but i watched it right when it came out when it wasn't on the in the top 10 and everything yet yeah i remember like eric would would walk in the living room and i'd always be a little embarrassed <laughs> you know what i mean because i'm like what? i just felt like i was a bit of a weirdo for watching it yeah, yeah. <laughs> the whole world caught on yeah, and then I uh, I was so happy to see like oh the whole world's watching this thing. On the course of the past year, so past twelve months, what has been your favorite purchase under a hundred pounds or a hundred euros? I love drinking wine, mm -hmm. right? I can tell you've been having sips as we go. <laughs> That's one of the reasons I moved to Spain. Yeah, you know this the wine is incredible here, and it's. Every day when I go to the supermarket, it blows my mind that my favorite wine, which is an, an amazing wine from its local wine here, it costs two euros for a bottle. I just can't. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally relate. So I, I you know, live in Spain, live down in Javier, and you go to the supermarket and you can get some pretty good wine for, like you say, less than a couple of euros. So I like that. Do you, is, is there a particular make? Is there a particular, you know, you say it's a local wine? Have you got the... You got any any names to hand, or is it just the one that you see in the store? I like the I like the Vedejos. Yeah, Vedejo. 
Yeah, those are my favorite, the white, the white Fidejos, yeah. Obviously, apart from your own and apart from the Boosty podcast, which is uh, your favorite podcast? Is there one recommendation, one that you like to tune into, or it could be an audio book, or just something that you like to put on, whether you're walking or wherever, traveling, uh, <laughs> a podcast that you like to tune into? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I'm a, I, have, I listen to one podcast every single episode immediately after it comes out, and it's, I, I guess it's slightly... It's it's on it's on economics essentially. It's uh, there's a guy called uh, called Peter Schiff. I don't know. Have you heard of him? No. So he's uh he's in, he's essentially he's an economist. His dad wrote I think the one of two books that have ever been banned in the U.S. He wrote a book called The Biggest Con. It basically talks about how the U.S. government kind of went against the the Constitution in the way that they started uh, taxing. Um, its citizens and uh, so that's his father uh, but this guy is has a very outspoken and a very you know an, an, a, his opinion on things it's very it's very direct it's very blunt but it's I always like to listen to people who don't beat around the bush who are like unfiltered yeah. and just give, give you their raw opinion regardless of what the response is going to be from other people what would be your number one advice to anybody listening to help them increase their direct bookings. So this is obviously a direct booking podcast, a direct booking show. Boost is all about direct bookings. What would be your number one little bit of advice to help? Well, I'll, I'll go with uh, with the, the medium that has brought my myself uh, a lot of direct bookings uh, for our uh, boutique hotel in Egypt. We we have a uh, kite. It's a kite surfing surfing school slash hotel, right? So we get a lot of leads through Instagram. Mm-hmm. Because kite surfers, they're all on Instagram, right? So my tip is, and you know, you you gave this tip to 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 my group, the when when you were doing your training in our group, uh, you got to think about your avatar, right? Uh, so for me, it's it's uh, it's Instagram. Jasper, buddy, really really appreciate you doing this. Um, the book is obviously get paid for your pad. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, the podcast is called Get Paid for Your Pad. If anybody wants to reach out, find out a little bit more about the work that you're doing, the Facebook groups, is uh, where's the best place to go? Is it a website, Instagram? Where, where do you want people to go and check out? Just go to getpaidforyourpad.com. You can sign up for my newsletter. We have all sorts of uh, goodies and you know emails and tips and all kind of all that kind of stuff. Really, really appreciate it. everybody. Can you just please give uh, give Jasper a massive round of applause? Yay. All right, so we are done with this episode. I just want to say thank you to everybody that's tuning on the live, everybody that is watching back on, on the replay. Uh, what I would love for you to do is make sure that when you are listening and tuning in, make notes, try and figure out what you're going to do and then try and implement it into your business. Whether you're going to check out Instagram a little bit more, maybe you're just going to go and uh, and do that one thing you didn't think you were going to do you know you're going to have to do something a little bit differently than before when it comes to marketing getting your property seen but please let us know what you're going to implement please leave a, a little link in the comments little, a little comment just what you're going to do what you've learned your feedback and your takeaway from it we do appreciate it and, and like we always say um go and check out more of the podcast booster.co.uk forward slash podcast this is uh, we've got 30 other episodes in this season alone and this is only season eight we've got seven six five four three two one we've got loads of other ones to catch up on uh and go and get on itunes spotify you can find them all there but for now thank you so much um like i say for all of this amazing free content all we ask you to do is one thing and is that share this share this video into a group a facebook group that you are a part of 
on your personal wall, on your business page, tell other hospitality owners from around the world the help that we're trying to give to get everybody kickstart. From here on in, it's Project Kickstart, and I'm going to need your help to spread the word. Until the next time, I'm going to leave you with Terence.